Hi there, Rowan. <laughs> Hi, this is Rowan Two Sisters with Preggers Can Be Choosers. I'm a newer local midwife here in Houston, Texas, and I do a education program every other Tuesday. Alternating Tuesdays, we have Afterbirth, which is our postpartum support group, but today we have Elephant in the Womb. And every Tuesday I try and, or the alternating Tuesdays for Elephant in the Room, I try and interview a local birth professional that knows their shizzle about birth and ask them what are the most important prenatal education or postpartum, that's fine, but what are the most important things that we should be um, teaching our pregnant people and what can they do to get the birth that they most want? So today I have Camille May, who is not only um, a longtime midwife here in Houston, Texas, but she's also a friend of mine. How long have we been friends, you know? A long time. Yeah, like... Probably like 24 years or so. A long time. 25. Yeah, yeah, a long time. A long time. And um, I'm a newer midwife, so I became uh, licensed in Valentine's Day of this year, 2019. But one of the things that has to happen is you have to take this test called the NARM test, right? And it's very intimidating, whatever. And the style of education I did, I pretty much said I can teach myself a bunch of it. And um, was, I'm a good self-learner, so... Um, then I swung for the fence and took this test. But the day before I took the test, Camille and I went to Austin for um, TDLR, some type of licensing thing. I don't know. She said, you want to go? And I'm like, sure. So the whole way there and the whole way back to Austin to Houston's like two and a half, three hours. Right. And we talked about birth the whole time, right? And then the next day, some of the things we talked about were on the test, like unbeknownst to Camille. They're just case That's reviews amazing. and case reviews. And we just talked the whole time. And I asked a lot of questions and, um, it was just super helpful. So, um, and I didn't tell anybody I was taking the test on Wednesday. Like my family knew. Um, uh -huh. I think I don't even tell you until we're about to hit the Houston city limit on the way back. So, um, so I'm just really grateful. And Camille, um, I'm a professional pool crasher and I'm in Camille's pool quite a bit. And uh, a lot of times we talk about birth. I'm sure my whole family loves it, but whatever. That's the price of admission. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's about me. And that's about our education piece today. And why don't you introduce yourself and because you're having some big life changes happening soon. Yeah, I've, I've been living in Houston for 30 years. Uh, I've loved it, but we are now returning to our home state of Arkansas. Um, so after 26 years of being a midwife here in Texas, I'm going to be relocating to Arkansas, a state that is not very kind to their midwives. Right, right. And what are you going to do when you get there? I, well, I'm hoping one of the things I can do while I'm trying to navigate Everything in Arkansas is start a radio show there in the Fayetteville, Arkansas area. But Fayetteville, Arkansas radio has uh, not responded to her email. So I'm going to help Camille start a podcast. Yay! I promise it's not that hard. I can do it. I can show her how to do it. And uh, what's the name that you're looking for? The Whole Parent Show. The Whole Parent Show. And she was inspired by a local uh, senior midwife here in Houston. Well, I don't know. Does she live in Houston anymore? Part-time? Uh, part, maybe part of the time. Right. So Pat Jones has a radio show called The Whole Parent? Whole the Mother. Whole Mother Show. The Whole Mother. Okay. And so Camille is going to be a little bit um, more expansive and also a little gender inclusive. Snaps for that. And she's going to have the Whole Parent um, podcast. And then if that goes great, maybe she'll get picked up by a radio station. We don't know. But um, this is the thing with technology being so easy and podcasting being available and recording being so available um, we need to get our senior midwives who have all these years of experience um, we need to capture that knowledge and there's no reason not to with the digital age that we're in what year did you start becoming a midwife uh, i was first uh at that time it wasn't called license but i got my first official okay to work as a midwife in 1993 1993 summer of 93 i don't think i met you much later than that yeah, it wasn't much yeah. after that. You were so young. 
I'm it's still great young. to be young. In 1993, <laughs> I would have been uh, 22. Is that right? 22? Yeah, because I was born in 71, yeah. 81, 91. Yeah. So 93, I would have been 22. So, and I started going to midwifery meetings in 1992, uh, yeah, 93. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did. You were very interested in it. I've always been interested. I'm, t I'm a late bloomer, and that's okay. I was talking to a patient today, um, somebody that uh, was given some aftercare to, and she said, I know I'm behind the curve. I'm learning a trade. She's like 25. I'm like, you're not behind the curve. 25 sister. is a baby. I was like, you're right where you're supposed to be. You're right where she's supposed to be. Okay, so you're moving to Arkansas. I'll put in the show notes um, your podcast link. And uh, what, so in your opinion and all your experience, what are the most important things that folks know going into labor or, or their postpartum? Like what, it, like you told me this in the pool the other day. So just kind of line it up like you said. It. Oh, the, it's like the, the number one most common denominator for whether you're going to have a good birth or not is are you really prepared and and uh by prepared i mean did you take childbirth classes childbirth education yeah for real for real. yeah not just watching a few uh birth videos on youtube oh, I mean, do, that's do that's people nice. do that? yeah people said <laughs> they don't need it because because they watched a birth video on youtube no my dude that's not how that works no no. It's totally different. We so where I previously worked, we had two. Where, is, where was that? Bay Area Community Birth Center. So uh, we had uh, over the course of the thirteen years I worked there. Thirteen uh, years. Mm -hmm, we had two brand new. Uh, I mean, two midwives who were pregnant with first babies. They both went to uh, childbirth classes, and they both felt like it was extremely helpful. I mean, by that time, they had delivered a lot of babies. Uh -huh. Probably uh -huh. they've been to more than 100 births. But there were so many things that they learned in their childbirth classes. Uh, the the um, stuff that they learned was really important and valuable. And they ha went on to have successful out-of-hospital births. Okay. Okay. What about folks who don't want an out-of-hospital birth? Well... I mean, what kind of birth do you want? Do you want to be able to advocate for yourself and for your baby? Do you want uh, your baby with you uh, for most of the time? Do you want anything like uh, delayed core clamping? And why is delayed core clamping important? You need childbirth classes. I think so, too. Because um, childbirth classes are not just for the style of birth that you're having to help you understand your options as you go through, right? right. So like even like the eye ointment and stuff like that, right? Right. right. And, that, and that's one thing about a birth plan. A birth plan is maybe not into having the plan, but that's nice. It's, it's the fact that you've gone through the decision-making process at every step to decide kind right. of what you wanted. And even if it goes sideways or that's not what you get, you still have gone through the process of identifying what kind of right. parent you're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's super important. Uh, here in the Houston area, there's a lot of options for good, classes to prepare you um be sure and talk with your midwife about anything she would recommend right i have it in my um one of my teachers uh shannon silhorn she had it in her contract that if you hired a doula and you took a childbirth education course she would uh a doula that she worked well with and i've adopted this on also a childbirth education course then it would be like 100 bucks off your contract or something like oh that. wow yeah 
almost like a good doula will like you know make my yeah. life a lot easier right and um Absolutely. and we're a good team and a doula that i don't work well with i want to know that going in so maybe we can make a different choice and if you're more married to your doula than your midwife that's fine but we need to like navigate this and also if somebody takes like a subpar job like some like kind of um where they're not super participatory but they do like a kind of a half-ass online mm -hmm. course i want to know about that because that's not legit and that doesn't earn you on the contract and then that's not fulfilling your part of like yeah i took childhood right. education I, th I think the uh, the statistics are pretty awful on who follows through with an online class and i think it's something like 93 percent of all people never mm -hmm. finish it mm -hmm. well they pay money for it mm -hmm. and their name is on it they bought it but that doesn't make it like migrate into their brain or anything mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and well you know because i sell an online course so like i would say for and it's like a really valuable it's a surgical birth um scar reductions course which everybody needs to take but um i would say like only one in ten people actually go even like through four or five modules it's pretty mm -hmm. dismal mm -hmm. so Okay, so no online unless you're that 7% who can actually right. do it. And your partner, right? So like you yeah. and your partner both have to be in that 7% that makes it yeah. work. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's tough. Yeah. So for most people, it has to be in-person. You go there, you do this stuff. It seems like that they are the most successful. And what about the camaraderie? right of being, oh, yeah. you know, meeting other parents or yeah yeah one time i was sitting in on doran jordan she teaches a, a bradley course mm -hmm. and um there was a bunch of like first time dads in there and this is a funny story but um dora used to um have like a huge like uh, media room so her regular tv was already like the size of half this airstream and then the, um we're in the airstream studio and uh then her she had like a whole media room and it had like a movie you know and it was like movie theater mm -hmm. screen it was like this huge house wow. out in the woodlands so she couldn't get the downstairs TV to work where she was teaching her um, childbirth education class. So they had to all go upstairs and watch um, a video. And it was a birth video. And it was that one where it's that doctor in like Brazil and she's having that natural birth. And you and birth the, in the squatting position? Yeah, birth in the squatting okay. position. So like, and it's an older video. So yeah, imagine a movie screen size. Yeah. And so then there's like this, you know, and it was before the grooming uh, like wave that has happened since then, you know. <laughs> so there's this like huge like, early 80s bush like it's uh -huh. just huge right and then this baby comes out and there weren't enough chairs upstairs for me to go but i could hear the whole video and you can just see the dads coming downstairs and partners they were like what just happened here and it was one of my best moments ever i like just it's still funny yeah um but you know you could see the the solidarity in the dad's faces and the women were like oh that's great can't wait and all the men were like oh, shit, you know like <laughs> hey y'all we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna get right back to it Getting back to our real talk, after birth style. <laughs> and in that group, though, they were all like, there was one woman who was like, I'm going to have an out-of-hospital birth. And she had a quieter husband. And all the other people were like, we're having a hospital birth. And then this couple um, audited a class they'd been in before, and they are having their second baby. And this guy was this huge football player, and she was a Marine. And, and they're like, well, what kind of birth are you going to have? And before, like, kind of the out-of-hospital birth mom, it hadn't been shunned, but, like, you know, they weren't related to as well. And uh, the guy goes, oh, Bobby said, you know, like, first time we wanted to have an in-hospital, I wanted an in-hospital, and she wanted it out, and, but this time we're doing what Bobby says. Like, Bobby says she wants it out, 
hospital birth. That's what we're doing. We're having a birth center. He goes, I started sleeping less. I started working out more. And like, he was like, I'm getting ready for being a new dad again. And he was like, yeah, I'm like carrying more weights and I'm making, you know, doing a little sleep deprivation and I'm ready. I'm ready. And all the other dads were like, well, I want to be like him, you know? So like all of a sudden this like wave of popularity happened. We're out of hospital birth. And that other woman felt much more supported, you know, and her spouse And I'll never forget that. It was that camaraderie, right? So I think that's an important part about childbirth education. What you gonna get on online? No. No. What else you got? What else are you thinking about public education um, or anything else? It's good if you can have a time when you can talk with your midwife about exactly what, what's going to happen, what exactly they do, what exactly her idea is about things like um, leaving the court alone for the first hour or however long you want um, and just um, letting the parents have a quiet time together before the excitement of cutting the cord and weighing the baby and calling the grandmas and stuff like that and have that hour or two hours or however long y'all talk about uh, and um, that time be special and undisturbed. The golden hour, right? Right. Or the golden two hours. Right however long now i mean i've had times when like i was gonna draw blood from the baby's uh, placenta after it came out mm -hmm. and sometimes when uh the family sees me with a needle in my hand they're thinking there's a shot involved so i try and explain beforehand that i'm just gonna take a little bit of blood out of the placenta after it comes out and what do you what do you do with that blood well, we send it to the lab, and the lab will uh, type the blood and tell us the baby's blood type and RH. Okay. And why is that important? Well, I think it's good to know the baby's blood oh, type. Oh, right. Yeah, that's totally because, good. Because, yeah, and uh, sometimes if the mom is RH negative, we need to know if the baby is negative or positive so that uh, if we need to, we can get that Rogam shot. Rogam shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that the Rogam shot protects the mom from um, any antibodies building up against uh, her next baby's blood right. type. Right. So, um, you know, 100 years from ago, they didn't have the Rogam shot. So it would be common if you had a negative um, blood type personally as a person who was pregnant, but your partner had a positive blood type and you had positive babies, you'd only have one or two and the rest you would miscarry. Is that right? Uh, well, not necessary. Like. Okay. Yeah, okay. a lot of times the baby would be born and look fine, but then the antibodies would would start working, and uh, that baby would not survive for very long. Okay, so, or so sometimes they would transfuse the baby, mm -hmm. but it wasn't until the 1960s that they understood everything and mm -hmm. came up with a uh, preventative for it, which was what we call the Rogam shot. Rogam shot. Okay, well, there you go. I thought that they just chronically miscarried, but you're saying that they could go to term and then right. the baby would not um, make it because of the blood issue. Right. Okay, good to know, good to know. All right, what questions do you think you get most asked as uh, a midwife um, in relationship to how the birth is gonna go down or CBE or anything like that? Okay, well, when we see those YouTube birth videos, they speed up through the 
long drawn out labor part this is so true it's and, like it's like the photoshop you know on an instagram yeah. model the before and after this is exactly right yeah, yeah. okay keep going and then keep they going. always show like a few minutes of the birth oh we see the head and there's the baby and uh-huh it's not usually like that what is it like tell us it's it can be a really long journey to get there mm -hmm. you know and they're not going to film every second of it but um mm -hmm. yeah i think the average first time mom her labor is around 19 hours okay that's average and is that what is when does labor start because you hear people it's like telling a fish story i was in labor for 12 days yeah when really they were in active labor for right like 10 or something so right when do you start that counting how long their labor was well the official uh definition is six centimeters okay it's six centimeters with or without ruptured membranes and with regular contractions that are increasing in intensity and getting closer together so six centimeters until birth is the, our new definition of labor okay okay and most people don't understand that they think that they like i had a first time mom talking to me like friday night saturday all day middle of saturday night mm -hmm. sunday morning mm -hmm. middle of sunday and so at sunday like at um i guess eight o'clock she was like i want to um i'm thinking about coming in now i was like well where are they at and she goes well they're you know getting closer to five minutes every time i was like okay it's like they need to be five and they need to at least be 60 seconds or they need to be about a minute long and she goes they've been a minute since they started well you know 47 seconds and then 30 seconds right. at 11 minutes apart that doesn't count people that's just right. really you know kind of your body trying to get your thing right. and then her water record at 4 30 a.m and then she had the baby i think at 1 30 p.m that same day so 4 30 a.m to 1 30 okay. p.m but i'd had her like moving drinking water doing mild circuit mm -hmm. all this stuff yeah so the, um and she had a 10 pound baby oh my gosh 10 pounds no wow. tears no dissociates no nothing first baby oh my gosh wow yeah no cbe so i was really worried <laughs> no childbirth education so wow. i felt like i was catching up all weekend trying to like teach yourself yeah. mm -hmm. wow yeah yeah so a 10 pound baby for a first baby is that your record oh i didn't deliver i didn't oh, oh i didn't say that. i went off a call oh. so when they called me at 4 30 in the morning to say that their water broke i was like i'm so sorry i'm not the midwife on call now you need to call this uh -huh. other midwife but if she doesn't respond then get me back but I'd been on call the whole time, you know, so I was like oh, doing all God. the texting, all the support, yeah. all the other stuff. So I'd yeah. been there for. So. so that's the majority of the labor for mm -hmm. most women is that, you know, getting started, uh, light little contractions, annoying contractions, getting stronger. And a lot of times they think those annoying ones are like the real deal. Like, and right. those are like, just ignore them. Well, I can't get comfortable. Well, you're in labor, not cupcakes, mm -hmm. you know, so like it's going to be uncomfortable right but it, and it's going to get increasing and i also don't want to be scary and be like dude you have no idea what's coming right um i want to be gentle and, and you know because they ramp up slowly for a reason so they're more right. tolerable in right. theory. and a lot of times especially if it's the first baby it's trying to get that baby into a better position oh and the baby was posterior i didn't tell you that oh oh God. yeah and she was like i don't think the baby was posterior by the time her water ruptured but that's what okay. all that shenanigans was. okay mm -hmm. yes yeah, so the uterus is working 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 to get the baby in a good position and that's why it's a really good idea to spend a lot of time doing uh exercises 
and the optimal fetal positioning and mm -hmm. what do you recommend spinning babies spinning babies and they have okay. that daily download you know we can do um from there and then also we have several um dancing for birth instructors like joanna zapeda and christy keen and so okay. dancing for birth like when you think about you know all these dances where you move your arm up right, and increase right, right. space in your diaphragm and open up and as opposed to like this all the time right Right. Um, so dancing for birth is a jam. So I like dancing for birth. If you can go to a weekly class and then do your spinning babies. And I get on everybody's kind of butt about not leaning back and all this stuff by yeah. 20 weeks because I want them to start good habits because they're going to be real mad at you if they spend a right. lot of time reclining. And then at 34 weeks, you're like, yeah. get off your back. So. I tell a lot of women, just think if this was the 15th century and be like a 15th century woman because... Who could have afforded some chair like a recliner? Yeah, oh, I mean, that's true. A king? Mm -hmm. uh, but the average peasant, those were my relatives. And they didn't have things like that. They just, you know, had the bare minimum. And um, they spent the day, like, taking care of a garden, taking care of chickens, taking care of little kids. So much of their day was spent leaning forward mm -hmm. not and, leaning back right and that helped put the baby in a really good position yep yep what do you think about nutrition well nutrition is really important i i mean unfortunately for me i had my babies late they were probably all in a bad position and because you were leaning back i, I don't I mean, my baby is almost 22, so I have a hard problem remembering. But definitely, um, if I would have done those exercises, mm -hmm. they would not have been so overdue. Oh, you so you think a malpositioned baby oh, contributes yeah. to being overdue? Oh, absolutely. Oh, filing this away. See, this is why we need these podcasts, so we can ask yeah. these good questions. I never heard that before. Yeah. I had never heard that before. And we, we recently had a mom who... Um, she always was like her babies were always past warm past their due date and um she did spend a lot of time in a recliner and um we kept encouraging her to do the spinning babies and try it even though it was her fifth baby even though she'd already done all that stuff before she needed to do it again for this baby and she's the one who said it made a huge difference oh really she said, yes she said as soon as her baby got onto her left side, that uh, within a matter of hours, her labor started. And it was great. And she said it was the fastest labor and the easiest labor she'd ever had because the baby didn't have to move from the right to the left during labor. Right. The baby was already over there. So got she it. didn't have to spend as much time in labor. It was awesome. Nice. All right, well, we have about five to ten more minutes. Is there anything else that you'd want to share or say that's uh, well, most important? I would just say it's really good to, take, to read. And if you like the YouTube birth videos, that's great. But you really need to talk with your midwife about things like childbirth classes, um, doulas. Like you said, some will offer a discount if you do use a doula doulas are awesome a doula that i work well with oh okay like i have a list of preferred doulas uh -huh. and if you don't if your doula is not somebody on my list that's totally fine but i know that there's a couple of um doulas that like our personalities don't match or for whatever reason we're just not mm. a good fit and what i don't want is tension at somebody's birth because we right. need a provider and their doula don't you know right get along and some people like you know like whatever we're professionals and then some people i'm like 
no, this is not going to happen. And I would rather say that up front and be right. like, we just don't work well together. I want something better for you. And if right. you need me to help you refer you to another midwife, that's totally fine. Right. Like, I want you to have the birth that you want and the team that you want. And that's all good. Right. Using a doula and taking childbirth classes are, uh, you know, it's evidence-based uh, care as far as showing really profound improvements in outcome. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's fewer C-sections. There's uh, fewer uh, problems, that, what they call comorbidities like bad side effects and bad issues that go on by using a doula. Childbirth classes help get you ready. And uh, using a midwife really also uh, helps prevent some of the problems that most women today want to avoid. Well, I had to transfer a patient on Sunday for um, just, she needed to have her baby in the hospital. And so I was texting her this morning and just checking in and she goes, I need to get out of here. They're not like you and Karina. Karina was my birth assistant. I was uh-huh. like, well, okay. And I hate that we didn't get what you wanted, but this is the best place. And she goes, they're not like you. I'm like, okay, it's cool. So I think even in this patient that I was a little bit more, like I hadn't known her. I met her on Friday and then we uh-huh. would labor together on Sunday. So even there, there was like a warmth and a relationship and a lot of listening. And um, yeah. Um, oh, I wanted to ask you a question. Some midwives are not fans of doulas. So can you talk about that for a minute? Or have you, did you ever have that experience and you like came over to being pro doula or? Well, um, I personally, I mean, I've only had one doula that I didn't do that well with. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I think she had never been in a birth center setting. Mm-hmm. And um, she thought that I was like, um, I don't know what to say, like, a hospital type person mm-hmm. so she wasn't very familiar with the care that we give and why we do the things that we do that was really the only uh, non-positive experience I personally mm-hmm. had but uh, in the end after the baby was born she was she just t- turned totally okay with me and so all right it was a really interesting birth I will never forget because there was kind of a storm outside and there was this big, um, like a bolt of lightning that we could see and a huge clap of thunder and it knocked out the power for the birth center. And, um, and I went up to the front and the other midwife was back there with the uh, laboring people and um, that's when the baby was born. <laughs> Like right after this big clap of thunder, it's amazing. Yeah, that baby like drama. I guess. Anyway, so so after the baby was born, the doula turned uh, great, and she was happy, and the family was happy, and they all lived happily ever after. Cool, cool. I know for me, I like working with doulas because I'm a newer midwife. And I try and hide the fact that I'm a massage therapist from most of them because if they figure out that I know where to put right. their back or whatever, they're like, let Rowan do it. She does it better. But like Rowan cannot be pushing on your back for 12 hours. Like, cause I need to have my A right. game when the baby's coming. Right. Like the doula energetic arc investment of a doula is like more during the early labor mm-hmm. where like my A game needs to come like right when the birth happens. That's like, I'm up here. Right. So I'm like this where the doula is more like, Ooh. and then after the birth, that's when the doula starts to slope off. And that's when I'm like ramping up because I got to get the scent out. I got to make right. sure that no hemorrhaging happens. 
stuff like that. And I need to be fresh, ready, and like not, you know, mentally fatigued either. So I appreciate uh, the help of a, you know, duo that I work well with because they're like um, in the trenches and I can, and they're also, you know, they're birth professionals. So they can like mm. idea bounce and stuff with me. I love doulas. I think they're Do great. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I just wish every woman could have one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, one thing um, that I've always appreciated about you, Camille, is um, like one time I was at a birth. Um, I think it's the first birth we did, and um, I've been there all night or whatever. And then you came in, and you're like, this is one hard-working lady. And she was like, yes, yes, I am. So, like, I thought, like, you always kind of knew what to say. I haven't. I totally cannot remember that. <laughs> well, I know it should be okay if I talk about it. It was Hill when Hill had oh, her baby. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Hill had a huge baby, and yes, Hill's a did. tiny woman, and yes. she like worked hard, as Jackie says. You almost killed us all. Mm. <laughs> That's what she said. But it Hill, was tough. Hill had that baby. Yeah, she's like she's a size two when she's not pregnant. Mm. And that baby was like ten pounds or something, and she'd been in a recliner the whole time. I didn't know about spinning babies, <sighs> and so then the second baby, she it was like much faster and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah. She's like, how come you didn't tell me about spinning babies? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't it know. may have not even been around. It wasn't. It came yeah. in in between her two pregnancies. Yeah. So I remember with her second baby, she was eating. Oh, a she was like sandwich. eating a turkey sandwich. She was like, what do you think, Halbert? And then she goes, oh, she was like eating the sandwich in the yeah. tub. Yeah. And I think, didn't she take a bite or two, sit it down, and then she had the baby? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, you normally don't she see people eat stuff like that. Yeah. You know, while they're transition was, or whatever. She was incredible. Yeah. She's a new woman overall. Yeah. Yeah. How are they doing? They're doing good. They're doing good. That's good. Yeah. Hill um, called me and she had been my son's first girlfriend. And so she called me and they were like six weeks pregnant. And she goes, I want uh -huh. you to be my midwife. And you know how many years that was? Like, the kid's 10 now. So I wasn't a midwife right. then. I was like, well, I'm not your midwife, but I'm your doula, and I'll help you find a birth provider. Yeah. That's how. Yeah. She did great. She did. Okay. Well, um, the next time we're going to get together and, oh, we're going to go to MANA together, right? Yes. Yeah. One of the big MANA conference up yeah. near Austin. And you're going to be learning about? Uh, I'm hoping to learn at the PUSH Summit about changing the state's uh, rules and uh, laws regarding uh, midwifery. And I'll put a link to, um, what's the push, for, what is the, it's, it's called the push summit. It's, the push summit. it's an all day long training uh, for people from wherever they are in the U.S. To, on how to get better laws and such in their state. And what's the organization? P uh, the, the big, big push. push. Big push. Also, I'll put a link to the big push. Um, if there's any way you could be involved, because that's what helps keep midwives in your state. Yeah, and uh, the most states do have a consumer group That's true. that helps midwives. And so wherever you are located, try to find that, join that, and lend your voice to help. Wait, midwives. didn't you used to include a membership to Citizens yes. for Midwifery in Texas or something? Yes. When people, like, I'm remembering this. So when you had your birth at Bay Area, um, it was then Bay Area Birth Center, now Bay Area Community Birth Center, mm -hmm. um, that part of your, your midwives um right he was got you a one-year membership right is that right yeah they don't have like they used to like send out newsletters yeah. things such as that but uh they're trying to right now reconstitute the old texans for midwifery oh, that's what it was. Mm -hmm. and um that is if you're here in texas please join Texans for Midwifery. They have a Facebook group you can join, be a, a, a part of that. I don't know if there's any money that they want from you. They do definitely want your voice to uh, promote midwifery 
for for other people in the state. Now, maybe you've had your babies and you're like me, you're a grandmother, but who's going to be there when your kids and your grandkids want that level of care? That's why we need to help uh, always promote midwifery. Midwives in every state are always under so much scrutiny and um, the laws can change at the whim of any legislator. Uh, we have some pretty powerful lobbying groups out there who would really love to see us gone. But if you want your children and grandchildren to be able to decide where they wanted to have their babies, that's where the consumer group needs to step in and say, this is what we want for our family. We want to be able to choose. There you go. Well, that's a good note to end on because this is Preggers Can Be Choosers. And if you are wanting to choose midwifery care, you've got to stay involved, um, participate on the um, social media level. Um, I'll put a couple of links in our show notes, both in the podcast, which we're going to save this audio for. And then also uh, this will be in a, a YouTube video. And then we'll also keep it up on our Preggers Can Be Choosers Facebook page. So here we go. So it's Rowan and Camille May signing off. Thanks for listening. Thanks for participating with us. And uh, we'll see you next time. Two weeks.